So we're in Acts chapter 14, and like I was just praying, we're, there's a little foretaste of, of my message is, is that it's going to be about healing. It's going to be about miracles, and often today, in North America at least, we kind of get to a point as a church where the miraculous isn't something that a lot of churches pursue. My wife's actually reading a book about this, about how um, it's important that, that, that people do pursue. And sometimes we would call people who pursue God's miracles as fanatics. And in the book that Amy Beth's reading, she's saying, well, for as many fanatics as there's needed, there's, the, there's as many dead churches who don't believe in the power of God. And so sometimes you, you see these extremes, right? You see churches that only practice uh, their religion a certain way but don't believe that God can do things outside of the box. And then you have churches who all they do is talk about the things that are outside of the box and pursue those things. And, and I, I'm, I'm reminded by the words of Jesus where Jesus talks about the Pharisees, where the Pharisees were demanding a sign. They wanted miracles to happen. And Jesus was doing miracles regularly. So it was kind of weird, I thought, in the, in the scriptures, how the, the Pharisees came up and were like, all right, Jesus, do one for us now. Meanwhile, he was doing it for everybody else. Why did they miss out on those situations? Doesn't matter to me, but Jesus teaches, he says, an evil and wicked generation just seeks for a sign. And so here's the, the thought that I've had as I've been preparing this message, and the Lord's been teaching me, I believe, about this, is that we need to pray in such a way that we believe that God can do miracles, that God can exceed, as the scripture says, more than we could ask for or even imagine. God is capable of doing those things. Yet, I also think that we need to have an attitude, and, and this is what I've been learning, a, a prayer of relinquishment, which means I'm giving it over to God. I'm going to give it to God, and if God chooses to heal, if God chooses to perform a miracle in someone's life, then that's God's will and God's choice. But I am not going to base my faith, my, how I'm encouraged, whether I believe or not believe, I'm not going to base that on the miracle. I'm going to trust in God no matter what. And the perfect example of this is Jesus in the garden. Jesus is in the garden, and Jesus' will, Jesus' desire is to not suffer. He says to the Father, if there's any other way, please let it be that I don't have to suffer. And then he prays, yet not my will, but yours be done. And I believe that as we read about in the scripture about miracles, and we're going to talk about what it means to seek healing, I think these are things we can pursue, but we also have to trust that God's in control. And just like the apostle Paul had a thorn in his side, and that God said his grace is sufficient enough, that the beauty of the scripture is that whether you receive your healing or you don't, or you don't God's grace is still there for you you do receive a miracle. You receive the miracle of God's grace. The gift of love that he offers you. A relationship with your heavenly father. A relationship through Messiah, Jesus, who loves you, who died for you. And the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we believe the Holy Spirit can come in all kinds of different ways. And in the book of Acts, we see how the Holy Spirit comes in powerful ways. I love looking at the Holy Spirit. 
And we see how he gives gifts like tongues, and we talked about that months ago. We see how he comes, and we're going to see in Acts chapter 14, the Holy Spirit touches people, and they're healed, and miracles happen. But the beauty of it is the Holy Spirit is given to each of us, even if we don't speak in tongues or see healings and faith miracles happen in our lives, you can still have the Holy Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit should be evident in every believer. And it's something that grows within us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is the work of the Spirit in your life. And I think so often we, we want to see manifestations of the Spirit. What I mean by that, the moving of the Spirit. We want to see visible signs that the Spirit is moving. But I think the Holy Spirit often says, yeah, I want to give you those too. But what's more important is that you love each other. Remember when it comes to the, the, the praying in tongues of angels, as Paul says in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians? You only hear that at weddings, right? No, no, no. This is important for us that it doesn't matter if you can speak in the tongues of angels if you do not have love, which is the fruit of the Spirit. So the Spirit can do miraculous things like give gifts of tongues. But really his desire is that we love each other. And so I think the same attitude needs to come when it comes to healing, when it comes to miracles, that we believe God can do it. We want to, but we need to be grateful for what he's already done in our lives. Grateful for the love that he gives us. Grateful for the fruit of the spirit. Grateful for the relationship that we have with God in Christ. But that's not that we can't seek these things out and pray for them and ask God for them. It's interesting. It's a snowy day today. There's a few less people in church today. And in the past, Pastor Thomas, I'll admit, would get a little bit down if there's less people in church. And there was a few years there, you can imagine, where there was hardly anyone here because we had restrictions and we had uh, a lot of things not happening here. And I think this morning, the Lord spoke to me, and he's like, well, listen, there'll be someone there today, regardless of a snowstorm. And thank you for those of you who are here. And thank you, I know people, the, the other thing is, before COVID, if there was a snowstorm and there was a, snow, a small group of people in church, we didn't have the camera set up. People couldn't tune in either. And we were always like, well, should we, should we do something for like people who can't make it in? Now we have that. Now we're doing that regularly. So whether or not people are here, people are online too. So there's things that I'm thankful for. But as I was thinking about this this morning, coming into church, knowing that a snowstorm might inhibit people from coming in, um, I was thinking about the time where Jesus actually wanted a smaller crowd. Do you remember the time Jesus wanted a smaller crowd? He was doing works of healing. People were laughing. People didn't believe that God could do it. Through the, they didn't believe that Jesus was going to heal. And so Jesus said, hey, listen, if you don't believe, you can leave. And then I'll do the miracle. Actually, it makes it, it makes, in the scripture as you read it, it makes it sound like Jesus wasn't going to do it unless those people left. That there was a desire that he had for the people who were going to be witnessing this to share in their faith together. That there would be a faith experience that could be shared. And I, I think often when we're looking in the scripture and we're talking about miracles, we're talking about healing, there is always a greater purpose than just the person being well. Right? Like, 
we want the people we just prayed for in my pastoral prayer, we want those people to be well. Don't get me wrong. We want them to not have pain in their body. But if we are to be like Christ, Jesus tells us to take up our cross and to follow him. The cross is an instrument of suffering. We are promised as believers that we will suffer, that trials and tribulations will come our way. So the promise of healing isn't just a deliverance from suffering. See, some people are like, oh, I got my healing, but then I'm still sick, you know, a year later. Well, no, hold on a second. The purpose of the healing isn't to deliver you, isn't simply to deliver you from your suffering. See, God's not a vindictive God where he wants to see you suffer. I believe God does want to bring healing. But the greater purpose is not that you just receive a healing, that you stop suffering. The greatest purpose greater purpose that God has in your life is to build you up in the character of Christ. And sometimes suffering is actually necessary in order for that to happen. That God will allow you to endure pain for a season. But that doesn't mean that he still doesn't want to heal. I still believe God wants to heal even though he allows suffering. So what? sometimes we have to look at the bigger picture that God actually wants to draw people to him. Remember when Jesus is walking with his disciples and the disciples look at a man who's on, who's on the side of the road who can't take care of himself. And the disciples say, why is that man like that? Is it because of his sin or his father's sin? And what is Jesus' answer? No, it's, be, it's because that God wants to show his glory. So there are times where it's not even about relieving suffering. It's just God wanting to show off, show his glory, and draw people to himself. So saying all that, I think that's the context to which we look at the scripture today where we're going to see Paul and Barnabas and them bring signs and miracles to uh, the people of their day. Acts chapter 14, we're going to read. Acts chapter 14 says, At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogues. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who were Used to believe, stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against their brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message by his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, other with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and to stone them. But they found out about it and fled to Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. I find it interesting that one phrase where it actually talks about them able to perform signs and wonders, it's attached to confirming their message. So again, just like I was saying, the greater purpose often is to bring glory to God. So often this is associated with the message of God, that preaching and healing go hand in hand. That God doesn't just, often we'll pray for people and we want to see them healed but I wonder if we miss out on the miracles because we're not also associating it with the message of Jesus. That God, if God's not going to get the glory, will we actually see the miracles? You know, people 
will say, well, pray for me or pray for me or pray for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you say, will you pray for them? Are you praying in Jesus' name? Do they know Jesus? And if they don't know Jesus and you're willing to pray for them, will you also share them the love of God through the forgiveness of sins? Which, if you ask me, is the greater miracle, right? Like, if people know God, that's the greater miracle than them really having pain removed from their body. You have to think more than just temporally. Temporally, yes, we want people to not suffer. But eternally, if we really believe in heaven, in hell, and hell being eternal separation from God, if we believe that God invites all those who choose to follow him, remember it's a choice, then the greater miracle is for people to make that choice to follow God than just to receive their healing. And so when it says here in um, Acts chapter 14, verse 3, that God confirmed their message by enabling them to perform signs and wonders, and we say, hey, why don't signs and wonders come in our day? Maybe we're not taking the word to people who need to hear it so that that message would be confirmed. And I'll be honest with you, in my life, when I've seen miracles happen more frequently, it's been as a a result of sharing the gospel with people who don't believe. And when we say, we're going to pray for you, it's also a ministry to those people in a way where they're invited into the family of God. It's it's, it's interesting. I, I see a lot of believers who come into the faith because God does something miraculous for them, but then over their life, they keep believing and yet less miracles happen. I don't understand why, but maybe it is part of that Christian maturity and God using trials and tribulations to grow and mature people. But sometimes God just uses something like a healing, like a sign of wonder, like an answer to prayer to get them in the door. Because the greater miracle, the greater miracle is knowing Jesus. So they get kicked out of that town and now we're in verse eight. And in Lystra, there they sat uh, a man, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him. He saw that he had faith to be healed and called up, called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw that what Paul had done, they shouted in the Laconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bowls and wreaths to the city gates because he, ha- he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are human like you. We are bringing you the good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let nations go on their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops from their season. He provided you with plenty of food and filled your hearts with joy. 
Even with these words, they had difficult keeping the crowds from sacrificing to them. It's interesting there that Paul says he gave you, and he's quoting a scripture from the Old Testament where he talks about he gave you rain. See, in ancient culture, it's an agricultural culture, rain was a symbol of blessing from heaven. Unless you're a farmer, you might not understand this concept of when it raining, it being a blessing. A lot of people see rain or water coming down from the sky or snow like a day today and think it's a curse, not a blessing. But truly, if you're a farmer, and I grew up on a farm, uh, and I remember days where it was like weeks on end without rain, and you'd look up in the sky and you would be literally praying for clouds to come. I remember, and then sometimes in the summer, especially in Ontario, you'd see, uh, you could see the clouds coming, and you'd see the dark clouds, and you'd see the light clouds, and I remember specifically praying, Lord, bring those dark clouds this way, and, and, and you know, shattered, uh, scattered showers, you know, some places would get rain and some places wouldn't. And you'd really feel like if the rain came your way, you were blessed. And if the rain went a different way, you were not blessed. And I remember there were times our neighbors got rain and we didn't. Or we got rain and our neighbors didn't. And, and you might say, well, that's kind of a weird way of thinking that we are blessed and they're not. But listen, you can't help but feel when your crops are getting watered that you're the one getting blessed. Now here, when Paul is actually saying, hey, God's poured out his rain on you, He's not talking about watering the crops. He's talking about that feeling of being blessed. And so this man, just who was, who was lame since birth, he was paralyzed since birth, gets up, and Paul's trying to say, hey, listen, God wants to pour out his blessing. Now, he's not talking about just the man who got up again. He's talking about the fact that he wants them to start following God, turning away from their former gods to the living God. That's what the scripture is saying here. And so we see that God has associated that with the true blessing, not just being healed, not just rain coming from heaven, but knowing God, following the living God is the true blessing. And yet, signs and wonders continue to follow Paul and Barnabas, and they get to see a paralyzed man walk. I've been in a church service where a woman came in pushing her, her, um, her little cart, her like, you know, her walker. Thank you, Linda. She was pushing her walker in, and then she sat down in her walker, and she was waiting for a healing. By the end of the service, she was running around the sanctuary because she had received her healing. She felt the blessing of God. And you, want, you don't want to know what? I did not need a healing that evening, but I was blessed. And so when we're talking about the blessings of the Lord coming, it doesn't necessarily have to be for you. You might say, well, pastor, you're talking about healing today. I shouldn't have come today or I shouldn't have tuned in online because I don't need a healing. I'm fine. But no, no, church. The blessing of knowing Jesus is, yes, sometimes we get to witness what he is doing in other people's lives as well. You should desire to see God move in your life, in your family's life, in your neighbor's life, in your church, in your community. Man, Lord, I'm, I'm being honest right now. Lord, I'd love to have miracles happen in such a way that the unbelievers in our community would say, something is happening. I heard that healings are breaking out in the Christian churches in North Grenville. Wouldn't that be amazing? 
Church, let's desire, let's believe that the blessing of God, and here he's talking about rain, can be poured out. I believe that God, the Lord, wants to, wants to do this. He wants to pour out his blessing. If you read throughout the Old Testament, the amount of scriptures that talk about the rain being poured out. And there was an early rain and there was a latter rain. And in the scriptures, they talk about these rains being poured out. And it's just a symbol of blessing. And I believe the Lord wants to bless us through signs and wonders and healing. But then they started worshiping Paul and Barnabas, and they tried to get them to stop. And then verse 19 says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside of the city, thinking he was dead. After, but after the disciples gathered around the, him, he got up, went back into the city. The next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. Imagine that. Imagine that for a second. Like, you, you're preaching, you're seeing miracles happen, and yet there's still a crowd who wants to stone you and kill you. They drag you outside the city, they stone you. And your response from surviving death is to get up and to go back into the same city. Now, he does leave the next day, but he got up, went back into the city before he left the next day, the scripture says. And I believe... When God desires to move within us, he, the Bible tells us that, he, that the Spirit of God moves around the earth searching. And I believe what he's searching for is for people who are willing to carry that same weight that Paul carried. See, see, like for me, even, I'll be honest, even as a preacher, I'm like, I don't know if I could do that, Lord. Like, I want the signs and wonders I want the miracles. I want what I was just telling you about, about how people would hear about the glory of God in the church in North Granville. Not just North Granville Community Church, but all of the churches in North Granville. How awesome would that be? But am I willing to pay the cost? Like Paul got stoned because of it. Am I willing to take the heat? See, this is where we have to search our hearts and, and figure out, like, okay, Lord, we want this. But do we really want it? Verse 21 tells us that we, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. If a man is willing to uh, survive stoning, I think that when he encourages us to remain in the faith, maybe we should listen to him if he's willing to endure that type of thing. He says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with praying and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From Atalia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened 
a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. That's the end of that chapter. As I was doing my own scripture reading, and I was preparing the sermon from Acts chapter 14, and we see how this paralyzed man gets healed, I was reminded of Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, which is very interesting. It says, A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had gone home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the man, the, the mat the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Okay, wow. Hold on a second. This man is paralyzed, he needs healing. And Jesus' response to the man is, Your sins are forgiven. Think about that. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's bl blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So maybe, maybe, of course, we would, as our theological brain starts figuring out, well, Jesus says your sins are forgiven because he's showing these people who are doubting him that he is God, the Son of God, incarnate in human flesh, and he's just proving his deity here by saying you're sins are forgiven. I believe that is true. Don't get me wrong. I believe this is a, a pointing to the fact that Jesus is God. However, I also believe that Jesus is trying to tell us something about healing as well. Immediately, G Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to, the, to, the, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up Take your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. The man gets up, walks out, after being told his sins are forgiven, but then they doubted that Jesus even had the ability to do that, forgive sins, and Jesus told him, get up and walk. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. You can see how these stories of Jesus doing it and Paul saying it are connected, but what I want to point us to is the connection between, yes, we need to have faith, church. Yes, we need to believe. Yes, we need to count the cost. But there's something interesting in the scriptures when it talks about healing and the forgiving of sins. Now, like I said before, when the disciples were walking with, a, uh, with Jesus and they pointed out that there was a man on the side who needed healing, and they said, why is he like that? Is it because of his sins or his father's sins? And Jesus said, no, it's for the father to get glory. Sometimes sin isn't the reason God wants to show his healing. But there are times in the scripture where it says, actually, we need to recognize that we live in a sinful world, and God's, God, Jesus is the remedy to that sin. 
And it's amazing when the greatest blessing is that our sins are forgiven. Sometimes when we recognize that that is the greatest blessing, healings come with that. There are people who carry a weight in their bodies sometimes through a lack of forgiveness that for themselves or for others, and when they choose to forgive others or when they ask God to forgive them, they receive healing. I remember going to a Promise Keepers event where I was with a man who had never been to a Promise Keepers event before, and we were worshiping the Lord, and, um, and, and he received the message, and he was growing closer to God, and he was lifting his arms up to worship God in that moment. Well, we get back to the place we were staying because we were staying at someone's house because it was far away from our church. He says, I can't believe I did that. And I'm like, what? He's like, I lifted up my arms in worship of Jesus. He's like, I've had shoulder pain for 20 years, could never lift my hand higher than my, my shoulder, higher, higher than my head. But in worship, I just started doing it. God healed him in that moment. Not because he even asked, but there was just a freedom of worshiping in Jesus. And I believe that freedom comes when we've been forgiven of our sins. I believe that freedom can come in worshiping of him. That when we draw close to God, God will draw close to us. James chapter 5, verse 13 says, If any of, among you is in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make that sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Now here's the inter interesting part connected with Mark chapter 2. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, it's not always the case that sin is associated with a need for healing, but sometimes we need to get the sin out of the way first. We need to confess our sin. We need to make sure there's nothing between us and God. Why is this the case? I believe that because God cares more about our relationship with him eternally than he does care about our bodies temporary, temporally. He cares more about our relationship with us. You know, I love when my kids come to me when they have a boo-boo and I get to kiss it and make it better Tessa's three now. She's starting to figure out that kissing it doesn't always make it feel better. But I, I still love doing it. I love them coming to me. But the reality is, like Tessa's starting to figure it out, you know, Joel doesn't come to me when he's got his boo-boos. He still comes to me, but it's not when he's, he's in pain, right? We have different reasons when our relationship with Jesus grows than just going to him when we have something in need. And yet he still loves to heal us. He still loves to touch us. See, I believe our relationship with God needs to be more than just based on signs and wonders and healings. And yet he still invites us into those to grow that relationship. And so going back to my my first point at the beginning of my sermon is that we need to have an attitude that says, yes, God, we, can, we believe this. But the greater miracles that you forgive me of my sins, and I'm going to ask you for this, but even if you don't give it to me, I'm going to worship you. 
And then I believe out of that, we can let God do whatever he wants. And if he wants to do miracles, we get to see miracles. And I've seen miracles in my lifetime. I know people have prayed for me and I've been healed. And I've prayed for others and they've been healed. And I believe that we can do that here today. And as the scripture tells us, the first starting point is to recognize that God wants to forgive us of our sins, that we can confess our sins to each other, to him, and that he will bring healing when we do that. Another part of that scripture that's kind of interesting is the anointing of oil and the laying on of hands by elders. See, God wants to do it in community. He wants us to grow closer together. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, I believe. And so when we anoint people with oil, we're saying, Holy Spirit, have your way in this person. If you're some, someone who wants to be anointed with oil, we do have oil here today. I'm going to invite Amy Beth to come, and we're going to sing um, some, some music as we worship the Lord. Uh, and I'm going to leave the oil here, and I'm going to ask, Linda, is it all right if I ask you to be the one that if anyone would like oil, you can come on this side of the altar and, and Linda will come and anoint you with oil. She is one of our elders in the church. This is why I've asked Linda. Linda is one of our elders in the church. If you want prayer and you just want to pray by yourself, you can come to this side. Just so, for, I know some of you guys are still relatively new. In the past, when we opened up the altar rails, what we've said is, if you want prayer by yourself, you come to this side. If you would like to be prayed over, you come to this side. But I really believe, I was, uh, in my time with the Lord this week, I've been saying, Lord, I really believe we need to be seeking you for signs and wonders and healing more frequently. Lord, I'd love to see you do something. And, and really, there's a sense of expectation, almost like when Jesus cleared the room and said, if you don't believe, get out of here. Like, like, and I, I almost want to have enough boldness to say, guys, if you, if you don't believe, yeah, you might as well leave. Because I want a group, a church that really trusts that God can do whatever he wants to do. I want to give him permission to heal. And so if you know someone who needs a healing, you can even stand in their place. We call this prayer of intercession. It means being in the place of the person who you believe needs a healing. And so you can be even anointed by the, uh, with oil in a, as a symbol of the Holy Spirit for that person. We've done that. And we've seen people get healed through being interceding for someone else and getting anointed that way. So there's many ways that God can do this. We don't put God in a box. He is God. He can do whatever he wants. But if you would like to pray for those people, if you want to just pray where you're at for someone you know who needs healing, just believe together. And maybe if you're with your spouse or someone near you and you want to say a quiet prayer together for someone, please do that. We're going to sing. But I really invite you to use this time of song to be a time where you really lift up people who need healing to the Lord. And if you're someone who's watching online, I really would uh, ask you to do a very similar practice to just take this time as we sing over you to trust the Lord for healing, to pray for people who you know who need healing. And if you're with a loved one in your home watching this together, maybe you would anoint each other with oil if you're someone who needs healing as well. And I believe that God can even do things uh, from a distance. You don't have to be here to get healing. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere and he wants to move. So let's believe that God can do stuff today.